but there were spies. These were not no ordinary spies, but these were the children of God. And what we don't understand as community members, as individual in the body of Christ, is you are a spy. You are a spy. If we read, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9 and 10, when I wrote to you before, I told you not to associate with people who indulge in sexual sin, but I wasn't talking about unbelievers who indulge in sexual sin or are greedy or cheat people or worship idols. Listen here. You would have to leave this world to avoid them. God is very familiar that we are in a world that we cannot leave that is filled with sin. And so just in case you didn't know, sometimes a spy, what a spy is, is they are sent on a mission undercover. Doesn't mean that it changes who they are. Doesn't mean that they're less of who they are, but they are on a mission and they have to blend in to achieve a purpose. Maybe that's you. Many of us in here, we don't realize that we are in a world that we have to blend into to achieve a purpose. We have to learn how to shape shift, be chameleons, know how to talk the right talk, be the right person to achieve a purpose. And if you're not familiar by now, it's New Testament. Jesus has died and raised on the cross, so we're not just going to blend in to be them. We're going to blend in to bring them the gospel, blend in to bring them the vote of salvation or the word of salvation and bring people out of the darkness into the light. So Rahab is here. Rahab is just a wonderful character. Not many theologians like to call her a wonderful character because as we heard, the Bible tells us she was a prostitute. She was a hoe. <laughs> she was not just in these streets. She was the streets. <laughs> she was the streets. She was the streets. She was paid by the streets, lived by the streets, eats by the streets. That's Rahab. So it's a very unlikely person. Then why would the spies encounter someone like that first? I always ask God that could they not have gone to anyone? Could they not have gone to someone who feared you already? Was there not anyone in the land that feared you? But the Lord had them encounter Ace, a prostitute. I find it very interesting that as Christians, we are so quick to judge who God might want to use for a greater purpose. The least of these is who God wanted to use. Her identity as a sinner was so loud and clear. God didn't use somebody who privately sinned. He used someone who was public about it. The Bible tells us in Joshua chapter 2 that her parents, her family members lived with her. This was something that was feeding her family. There are so many people in the world that are engaging in sin, and that is what's feeding their family. It's what's keeping roofs over their head. It's what's helping out so many people. And that's what sometimes is so threatening and challenging to us as Christians is because it's hard for us to bring salvation to a person that seems like they have it all together. What else do they need? They've got the money. They've got the influence. They do philanthropy. I don't even know how to approach this person. Have you ever tried to give a rich man food? <laughs> right? There's nothing like trying to give something to, everyone, to someone that behaves as if they have everything. But there are three important positions of engagement we must learn from Rahab. Even though her sin was loud and clear, do you know that something very unique about her was that her sin was also culturally unacceptable? The Bible says she was located at the wall of the city. She was on the outskirts. 
She was in the hood. She was in the area that no one ever liked to go into. So this was somebody that was not just was not just detestable in the eyes of us as believers, but detestable culturally. And there, there's an important position that I want to sometimes her vulnerability was the fact that people in her own culture did not accept her. That was a vulnerable point. And do you know that sometimes the vulnerability and the rejection of an unbeliever creates the position for them to be used and transformed? Catch that word. The vulnerability and the rejection from the world is a position for them to be used by God and transformed. This is an important engagement that we don't often see as believers. This is where you need to start praying for God to give me the grace to discern the right person to engage with and to evangelize with. Because there are so many people that appear to have influence, appear to be in good position, but they are dealing with some deep rejection. Societal rejection, industry rejection, familial rejection, and they're uniquely positioned that if you would just share this gospel, if you would just live this life for real, for real, and not be confusing and conflicting and partying on Saturday and in church holding a mic on Sunday, maybe they will finally want to hear this Jesus that you so claim. So this is why when the first service I was talking about being double-minded, it's such a thing we have to wrestle with as Christians. Because you have vulnerable people that if we could just be one track minded on the narrow path, they so desperately need it. The second position we learn from Rahab, <laughs> the Bible tells us if we go to Joshua chapter 2, we can go down to Joshua 2. At this point, yes, she had lied. She had told the king of Jericho, I don't know where these men are, but in actuality, she was hiding them in the roof. Okay, So sometimes God can even use a sinner to lie real quick to get his purpose done. All right. So she told them they were hiding on the roof. And then basically once the king of Jericho and his men went away, she was going to help them escape out of the city because they've seen what they needed to see. And the Bible tells us in the scripture, verse 12, uh, yes, yes, verse 12. Let's look actually at first at verse nine. And she said to them, I know the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on us. So that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. Verse 10. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Sion and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear of everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God in heaven is above and on the earth below. This sinner had heard about their God already. A position we often don't understand is that a lot of unbelievers have the fear of God. They have heard what God has done. They have seen what God has done. They've seen the testimonies. And when an unbeliever encounters the fear of God, that's another opportunity to be transformed. This is the first time she's been hearing rumors, but this is the first time that she gets to walk and talk with someone who's actually a product of God's goodness. There are many people that have heard about God, seen tweets and seen things online, but they have never actually been able to speak one-on-one -on -one with somebody. Can you tell me about this God that you actually serve? What is he like? What's it like to honor God? What's it like to serve God? 
And so many of us need to get vocal about the God that we serve. The third position of engagement we learned from Rahab. The Bible tells us, if we look now at verse 12, Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to me and my family because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that that you will spare the lives of my father and my mother, my brother and my sisters, and all who belong to them, and that you will save us from death. She knew the danger was coming and petitioned her family. The Bible tells us later on that the only thing that was left after the destruction of Jericho was gold, silver, bronze, iron, and Rahab's family. Here's to the person who thinks God doesn't care about unbelievers. He does. He does. Why should she be saved? Why should a prostitute? This is Old Testament. We're talking about fire and brimstone. We're talking about thunder and judgment. This ain't New Testament. Jesus hadn't come yet. Why should she be saved? Why did God show her mercy? All she did was ask. I'll tell you why. Because Rahab eventually meets a a man named Salmon. They happen to have a son named Boaz. Boaz happens to marry Ruth, who had Obed. Obed's son was Jesse. Jesse had many sons. The most important one was David. And in that lineage, there was a guy named Joseph who met a virgin girl named Mary. And that virgin girl got some immaculate conception and birthed Jesus. So when you think that you're looking down on someone that God is ready to use who's an unbeliever, know that there's a lineage attached to this salvation. And so the mercy God showed Rahab was like a preview of what Jesus' blood could do. Come on. We must learn how to position ourselves with believe unbelievers so that the lineage must be cleansed. The lineage must be useful. Why only a prostitute? I want to give you some quick rules of engagement in the world before we wrap up today. The first thing you must understand about engaging with unbelievers is you must focus on salvation and not condemnation. It is not your job to condemn people. It is not your job to look down on people. It's not your job to make nasty Instagram posts and say, y'all doing nothing, y'all going to hell. That's not your job. And if you study the way Jesus behaved, he never led with condemnation. The Bible says there is no condemnation within Christ Jesus. It is not our job to condemn. That is John chapter 3, verse 17. The Bible says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but through the, that the world through him might be saved. We have the DNA of Jesus. Why aren't we caring about the salvation? Some of us, we use what the world is doing as our gossip instead of a remembering that they need our prayer. Number two, second rule of engagement with the world is to use the gospel. Stop trying to touch it up and clean it up. The gospel alone is enough. I was sharing with them before that so many of us are sharing an incomplete gospel. We're only sharing the gospel that talks about Jesus dying. The last representation that many people actually wear is the cross with him dying. Nobody has any symbolic representation of what it looks like when he raised up. The world only understands a dead Jesus. Why aren't you preaching the one that resurrected? 
is the complete gospel, the one that can go down and bring all your problems and bury it in the Dave and contend with you and make sure that the enemy never snatches you up again and then he brings you up and resurrects you. And you're a new person, unrecognizable. They can't even believe, is this the same person that used to do this, that, and the third? Yes, I want to follow that. I want to follow that Jesus that can bury your past and make sure that when you come out on the other side, you're a new person. The third rule of engagement is you must engage with boundaries. Engage with boundaries. Here's one of the biggest challenges with a lot of Christians. is this two points. We either are so afraid of falling back into sin that we don't engage with unbelievers. I don't know. God brought me a mighty long way. I don't know if it's a good idea to, I know what I used to be. Or the second part is some of us, when we get around believers, we are no longer allowing ourselves to be vocal or to be used. We shift back. We shrink and we are so easily carried away in the moment. And it's like, ain't you the one that was just in church? Like, don't worry, but God, girl, I be living my life. That's not what it's supposed to be. So I love this scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 27. I'm going to read it from the Passion Translation. So if, un, if an unbeliever invites you to go to dinner, go ahead and eat whatever is served without asking questions concerning where it came from. But if he goes out of his way to inform you that the meat was actually an offering sacrificed to idols, then you should pass, not only for his sake, but because of his conscience. Wow, because of his conscience, not mine. So God is saying that in our association with unbelievers, we need to be less worried less about ourselves and worried more about the conscience because you carry the Holy Spirit. All they have is conscience. Do you understand? So that is why if it is clear to you that what they are providing for you is from evil, and most times it is, because I don't, want to, I don't have time to explain it right now, but once you separate yourself unto God and you become a believer and you're consecrated, the altar of God is controlling your life. But when someone is in the world, there's a different altar controlling them. And so that what they can provide you comes from often a place of darkness. So it's just conscience available. So we must engage with boundaries. There's some invitations you actually should not, you should not accept. We have to learn how to stop accepting every invitation to, in fear of rejection of the world. There are better ways to engage with the world then completely are allowing ourselves to get caught up. Let's move on and learn something more. The fourth rule of engagement with the world is to steer away from being unequally yoked. All right, so when you hear that, first thing, oh boy, she's going to talk about marriage. But then the scripture, if you look, there's actually several scriptures regarding being yoked. There are many forms of partnerships and relationships that we can be in unequally yoked that are beyond marriage. Okay, so people who are business owners, the scripture is telling us don't be unequally yoked with somebody who's an unbeliever. Don't be putting money in the same pot with somebody who's an unbeliever. You paying tithe and what they doing. Yeah. And we have to know this, that when it comes to the matters of business and partnerships, there's a kingdom principle that says you need to do business with your own. And so many of us, we need to start praying about that because not every opportunity that comes your way, you should just grab yeah, Lord, if I take this startup money, is it going to make me compromise? Do you know that when you take certain people's money that you lose certain controls? Let's be honest. If anybody in here is in the tech industry, 
When you accept money from a venture capitalist, you are at their beck and call. And that's what happens when we inappropriately partner. See, sometimes in an effort to try to engage with the world, we end up partnering with them prematurely when that person has not surrendered their life to Christ. And eventually you wonder why the enemy is devouring your finances. That's another conversation for another day. Number five, engage with exposure. Ephesians 5, chapter 11. I'll read from New Living Translation. The Bible says, take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It is shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret, but their evil intentions will be exposed when the light comes upon them. As Christians, we are light bearers. And so many of us are dimming our light to be close to certain people. You don't understand that engaging in the, with the people in the world is an opportunity for you to let your light shine. Yes, I know that it is the culture in this company to tell white lies. But because I exist, I'm not about it. Let's make it plain. Yes, I know I could technically make up a lie and tell this professor that I did submit the quiz on time and say that something happened with my computer when really you did it late. Oh yeah, I'm coming for some people. Well, that's a little too close to home. We have to learn how to be light bearers. And you know what's interesting is we don't know that every single time we engage with sin as Christians, we are dimming our light. And the light is, the thing about light is, light is nonverbal. Light is integrity. Light is what happens or what, what, is, what is seen before you even open your mouth. Light is, yeah, 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 I did hear about you. Yeah, everyone has something good to say about you. I would love to get to know you. That's light. So many of us are worried about mixing up with people. I don't know what to say. I'm socially awkward, blah, blah, blah. Immense light. I'm speaking to myself. Be on time to places. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's light. That's light. Light is creating a lifestyle where God can be prominent in everything that you're deciding to do, where it's clear that I consult God. Do you know that light is as simple as, hey, we really need you to make this decision by tomorrow? No problem. I'm just going to take the night to pray on it. That's light. Oh, okay. I respect that. They're going to come back. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you pray for me? I like that you said that. The last rule of engagement is we need to learn how to be an influence and not an influencer. Be an influence, not an influencer. The Bible says in Mark chapter 2, verse 15, this is New King James Version. It says, now it would happen as he was dining in Levi's house that many tax collectors and sinners also sat together with Jesus and his disciples. There were many, and they followed who? Him. And when the scribes and the Pharisees saw him eating with the tax collectors and sinners, they said to his disciples, how is it that he eats and drinks with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have need, no need of a physician. But those who are sick, I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I want you to understand here that this is a perfect explanation. It says here, another translation says that it's the tax collectors and the sinners that would come to him. 
the environments that so many of us don't, can't find. We need to start creating the environments for people to come to you. So many of you are struggling with compromising and, and, and dealing and having, having to say no to invitations and you're feeling awkward. That's because you are going to them. You need to learn to have them come to your light and be solid enough that the gospel that you're carrying is enough. Yes, I'm going to house this party and we're not going to pregame before we go to an event. That's okay. So many of us, we have compromised so much that we are no longer engaging with the world. We are the world. And there's no difference. One thing I love is that every time you hear about Jesus and disciples, there was a clear delineation as to who was who. They went into different, different environments and it was never lost on them who was who. That's why when, after Jesus was taken to be crucified and they saw Peter in the streets, he was easily recognizable because even in the midst of sin and being disheartened, it was clear that he was a light bearer. And that's something else for someone to know, that when you carry the light, sometimes the light will expose you so that in the moment when you're about to mess up, you are self-corrected share with you a story real quick before we pray a lot of us don't realize it that sometimes when have you ever been in a situation that the Lord allows you to get caught girl what you doing here I don't know <laughs> what you doing here I never thought you would be somewhere like this you're so embarrassed right because God said, I'm going to give you one chance to mess around and be at the wrong place in the right time. You're going to switch it up. And I want to make sure that you never let your light dim again. This is a dangerous prayer that some people don't pray. Lord, expose the areas of my life that will not allow me to engage with the world. This global community needs us. As we stand to our feet here, I want us to First, pray for ourselves that, Lord God, I've heard the word, I've been challenged, and now I need to get it right. So the first prayer you're going to pray is that, Lord, search in me anything in me that will allow my light to be dimmed, that won't allow me to engage appropriately with the world. Begin to eliminate it right now. Lord, begin to eliminate anything that can dim the light. I want to be effective. I'm a soldier for Christ. I'm a firefighter, Lord. I'm equipped. I have the whole armor of God. Lord, what is it in me that will not allow me to be effective in evangelizing, effective in being a light bearer? I refuse to melt back, God. I refuse to, to go into the background, Lord. And I want you to pray the Lord make it obvious that I'm a Christian. Oh, you need to pray that for yourself. Make me a bolder believer. Bible tells Joshua in chapter 1, he said, be bold and courageous. Be strong. That no more being timid. No more being a Christian on when it's convenient or when I'm going through warfare. I want this life 24-7 so I can be effective. The next prayer point we're going to pray is we're going to pray for our global community this morning. I want us to pray this prayer with such personal 
indignation. And I want you to lift up an altar of prayer for Palestine. And I want you to lift up an altar of prayer for Israel right now. That Lord God, as Christians, we are praying for this global community. Lord, we don't know what you have to do. They just completed a seven-day ceasefire. Now they're back to killing babies. In the name of Jesus, Lord God, you guys are not praying like yourself, like you are firefighters. This is where it starts. You have to pray. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we don't know how you're going to do it. We don't know if you need to talk to Netanyahu. We don't even know if you need to talk to the Hamas leaders, Lord God. But in the name of Jesus, we pray, oh God, that it, come, it comes to a stop. Have mercy upon these innocent souls. People that would have never heard the gospel, that never know Jesus because a bomb took them out before their time. Pray, pray, pray. We're tired of hearing the news about dead babies. We're tired of hearing. We've now heard almost 15,000 people have died. What? As a global community of Christians right now, we stand in the gap for every innocent life, both in Israel and in Palestine, that in the name, Lord God, let them see your blood. Let them see your blood. Let the blood of Jesus cover these people. And as you're praying for them, don't forget about Ukraine. I want you to pray for our Ukrainians that this conflict that is going on, that has literally shut down most of Eastern Europe, that in the name of Jesus, the conflict must end. Let there be a solution. I want you to also pray about the genocide in Congo. That all these people, a whole group of people that are just becoming non-existent, that in the name of Jesus, let the blood of Jesus reign. Let the blood of Jesus cover these people. What good is it to be a Christian if you cannot pray for others? Come on, pray. That in the name of Jesus, we say the bloodshed comes to an end. Lastly, I want you to pray against every rumor of warfare. There have been so many rumors of warfare against the United States. I want you to pray against every rumor of warfare that they're going to attack us in cyber attacks especially. I want you to pray that in the airwaves, Lord, we solidify our entire community in Arlington and DFW against every form of warfare. You don't know what it means to be in war. What if, what if they shut down the entire cyber area? You can't go to school. You can't get paid. Payroll can't be run. I want you to pray that in the name of Jesus, we come against every form of warfare. It is not permitted, Lord. It is not permitted. It is not permitted in the name of Jesus. Father God, we thank you and we worship you. We thank you, Lord God, for allowing us to be in a community like this. Lord, we stand in the gap for our brothers and sisters, both in Israel and Palestine this morning. Lord, we pray, oh God Almighty, that the blood of Jesus will cover the innocent lives. We pray also for all the conflicts, all the other conflicts we've mentioned, that Lord God Almighty, that there shall be an end to this conflict. Lord God, we don't want to carry this kind of conflict again into another year. Lord, we don't know how you're going to do it, but Lord God, we know, oh God, that you specialize in last minute issues. So we pray, oh God, that you speak over all this conflict, oh Lord, and silence them once and forever in Jesus' name. And lastly, Lord God Almighty, we set an edge of protection around this community. Anything called attack, rumors of warfare, it is not permitted to impact this community in the name of Jesus. 
Lord, we thank you and we worship you. We give you all the honor, the praise, and the adoration. In Jesus' mighty, matchless name we pray. Come on, worship God. Give him the praise. Thank you for tuning into the Gap Church Podcast. We hope this message blessed you. If you made that choice to give your life to Christ, congratulations. We celebrate you. Don't forget to text SAVE to 817-381-5353. Again, text SAVE to 817-381-5353. Thank you so much and have a blessed week.